Wednesday, everybody. It's high noon here at MutinyRadio.fm. It's time for the AltaCast. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I am usually joined by Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, and Old Dumbface Steve Poggi, but neither one of them are available today, so they will be ably filled by Trina Roderick of the Immutables Sunday nights from 8, 6 to 8 here at the station. She's on her way from her lovely abode, and uh, she's going to be here. Today we're talking about... Uh, Donald Trump, and we're going to do a little research, listen to a couple things about the four bankruptcies that he's gone through. Uh, we're going to listen to some, you know, racist diatribes and, uh, you know, some fascist ramblings. It's going to be fun. I tried to get my dad to call in from Arizona, but he's in the middle of a golf game, and he is a staunch Republican. I wanted him to explain to me how he can be a Republican, and he laughed and called me a commie pinko liberal. So uh, I think we're on opposite side of the fence. I was hoping you'd give a call and just explain, like, how can you, how can you vote for this? I, I, I dare, um, I, you know, I guess he's a man. He's a human, I guess. I don't know. That hair belies something different. If you can't be honest about your own hairline, how can you be honest about anything? Presidential candidate Donald Trump. So that's what we're going to talk to that about today uh, on the AltaCast, just uh, we'll get to know our presidential candidate. Uh, we're going to start with a little speech by his daughter. This this is entitled, uh, Trump is God. So this this should be an interesting, um, an interesting video. Uh, and by the way, his daughter looks much like his wife, Melania. It's pretty scary. My father knows how to get exactly what he wants. I remember him telling me when I was a little girl, Ivanka, if you're going to make a positive contribution to society, you might as well pleasure my big old cock. And I've seen his hard cock in action daily. Ladies and gentlemen, my father, Donald J. Trump. Ivanka did a great job. Did she do a great job? Great. Blown. Great job. If you can't get it in then there's something wrong with you. You're certainly not very good. I get it in Ivanka all the time. I will be the greatest rapist ever created. I tell you that. I'm gonna bring rapists in. I will sell this country down the drain. I'm the one that made ISIS. Since 1978, I've employed tens of thousands of killer terrorists from the Middle East. I sell guns to terrorists by the millions. Islamic terrorism will bring us, believe me, to the promised land. So, under President Trump, here's what would happen. Israel won't exist very long. Israel will say, please, 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 and some will beg for a little while. And I'll say, congratulations, let me give you the bad news. You're all going to die. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. Under President Trump, the world will become a dumping ground for our nuclear arsenal. And in my administration, Mexico doesn't exist, folks. Japan, they're gone. China, gone. San Francisco, it's going to be destroyed. Five billion people dead. It is going to be amazingly destructive. 
It sounds crass. Somebody said, oh, that's crass. It's not crass. The old-fashioned God is dead. Trump is the new God. The sun will rise. The moon will set. You're right. I will immediately nuke the White House and build a Trump Tower. And we will make Donald Trump richer than ever before. I am officially running for God of the world. And we are going to make our country great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So that was uh, Donald Trump is God, a big mix of uh, his, uh, one of his speeches. I'm joined by Trina Roderick just explaining what just happened. Uh, it's a big mix of his speeches all put together. Talking about, no, I didn't mix it. I'm not that smart. Uh, talking about how he, uh, his, <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, first, I love the stuff at the beginning about his daughter, Ivanka, and, and uh, fucking her. It's very funny. Uh, big hard cock in the White House. So, um, so Trina, how you doing? I'm good. What, you? what do you think about Trump? I just, it's, it's, it's the whole circus, the whole mess is difficult to watch. I don't really watch much of it. I already miss Obama. <laughs> I, We're doing it today. We're watching it. There, there are no strong candidates. I mean, there are no Obama quality candidates on either side of the race. Like, I feel like you don't even is, like Bernie. He's not an Obama quality candidate because he's better than Obama. No. What? Wait, really? Yeah. This, this is some blast. Oh, uh, this, this. Uh, sorry, this. In and out. I just somebody really messed around with this yesterday, and I'm. But you know, honestly, I'm not the best person to talk to about this, and I apologize for that because I am really checked out of all of this. I, like at 46, it's the same circus every four years. Same circus, same circus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. What's the point? Well, it's not that it's. What's the point? It's just like there's nothing to get excited about in this race. This is very. I don't know. I think that Bernie has something different, different to bring to the table. He's the best for sure. Uh, I mean, no doubt about that. Love the burn. Feel the burn. Uh, so I, I went through. To give a shit. Well, I went through and I found all of these uh, things about Trump uh, YouTube's and I. I think they're very funny and, and uh, point. That first one was was a joke one about uh, Trump running for God, which is I, I really I really think that true is true. So uh, this they're is all running for God. They're all running for God. It's true. They actually. She's just more open about it. Uh, this is CNN uh, asking Donald Trump at a debate about praising authoritarian dictators. Okay. Uh, I'm you know I I love a little fascism. I'm going to be totally honest. But not his kind of fascism. Uh, we can talk about my fascism later. Here we go. Donald Trump. Some of your Republican critics have expressed concern about comments you have made praising authoritarian dictators. You have said positive things about Putin as a leader and about China's massacre of pro-democracy protesters at Tiananmen Square. You said, quote, when the students poured into Tiananmen Square, the Chinese government almost blew it. Then they were vicious, they were horrible, but they put it down with strength that shows you the power of strength. 
How do you respond that to That doesn't mean I was endorsing that. I was not endorsing it. I said that is a strong, powerful government that put it down with strength, and then they kept down the riot. It was a horrible thing. It doesn't mean at all I was endorsing it. As far as Putin is concerned, I think Putin's been a very strong leader for Russia. I mean, he's been a lot stronger than our leader, that I can tell you. I mean, for Russia. That doesn't mean I'm endorsing Putin. But the word strong, obviously, is a compliment. And many people would look at what the Chinese leaders have done and what Putin is doing as atrocities. I used to think Merkel was a great leader until she did what she did to Germany. Germany is a disaster right now. So I used to think that. And strong doesn't mean good. Putin is a strong leader. Absolutely. I could name many strong leaders. I could main, name very many very weak leaders. But he is a strong leader. Now, I don't say that in a good way or a bad way. I say it as a fact. Governor... Uh, he just danced right out of that. If he's an authoritarian leader, bad things are going to happen. I just, I think this is, I, I'm sorry, I'm just the worst person to talk to about politics. Panel. Because you just don't believe in it at all? Yeah. Basically. Because it's, but I mean, it, I know you don't like. No, 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 I, I don't, I'm not saying, I'm, it's a waste of my time. That, that this is politics. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what you can I can accomplish more doing something than watching something and getting upset about it. Gotcha. I'm just, I just wanted to mine it for jokes. I don't I'm have a sorry. very good no, trunch. I don't I was, have a very I'm good so, trunch. I'm so sorry. I no, just I get upset. I get upset. Well, and this is why I check out of it, it's because it just, I feel like. This is taking the country in the wrong direction. Not oh, any one of these people, but the fact that we are focusing so much on this. Except it's a presidential race. Like, this person is okay. like the figurehead yeah, yeah. of all right. who we are as a, a people. A figurehead, and that's right. it. So that doesn't, a figurehead does not warrant the time we are spending on this. Well, I think that I think. Americans need something to do besides right. watch. I mean, exactly, which is why it's a waste of time, because we're not doing what we're doing is not productive getting this is does that make any sense well yeah i mean i always get all up in arms when the uh even when the city things happen and they send you all of the stuff in the mail all the paper and it makes me angry because i'm like that's 98 cents worth of right. postage oh, and yeah. double colored paper oh, yeah. and it's saying something that i'm gonna just i'm just gonna recycle it right. but that's where the money's going instead right. of into right. I don't know places right. like this. Exactly, exactly. But I, and I, and I like have the schools, exact same or, feeling about yeah. energy, about you know how I'm going to spend the time that I have on this in this life. Right. You know I mean, I'm not trying to say like I don't know what else. I'm an agnostic. I have no fucking idea what else there is. Right. Other well, what than would this you be? Well, what I'm would you be doing? Right well, what would you be doing if you weren't? Um, what would you be doing right now if you weren't um, here? Well, if, no, if you weren't hanging out being I'm on this here. podcast. Because I want to talk to you about a podcast. Uh -huh. And I know you're super busy. And so I want to catch you when it's most convenient for you so that I don't... Because you're a busy person, right? Yeah, yeah. So kind of. what I'm doing, I want to do with a podcast is try to create a podcast that makes a real difference. Ah. Uh -huh. 
So right. I'm so sorry. I'm no, no, that's great. You wanted... No, making a difference. No, it's... but let's laugh about politics. Yay. Well, I just, I mean, I just, I didn't, I was trying to I'm think so about like. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. You don't, you're not into the, I'm just, I'm so scared that this. Don't be. And well, don't the thing, the it. thing is this though, is don't that there's so many people like my dad that actually sort of believe in this. Yeah. And it's so counterintuitive. But they, they, they believe in a Christian Jedi or Christian God. Well, my too, parents are really you know Christian I mean? too. Like, They're completely Christian. They well, believe in all that stuff. What do you mean? It's stuff. the same thing to me. That's how I I think. That, that you were, this is exactly my experience. It's as though you are indulging in a religion that I am just not. Well, does that make any sense? It's like, just that it's the same thing to me. I'm not indulging it because I I have to I have to live in it. I mean. But you don't have to live in that. Yeah. Well, unless not, I move to Peru but or. Why, why? Okay. Seriously, tell me. Like, if he becomes president, this, everything will be the, ruined. No, it's not down to one person. See, that's the myth. Except, the myth right. is that this matters well, then it'll be, it'll be to a re- the extent that you're being led to believe it matters. Well, I mean, the president is sort of sets the tone for yeah, where we are I'm, in the I'm whole world. It's not important. I'm, saying, I'm not saying zero importance. I'm saying it doesn't merit... But if, if we let this guy, and we've got here, sell out Donald Trump exposed as fascist new dictator of America. The way I looked these up is I looked up Donald Trump atrocities. Donald Trump uh, fraud. Right. Donald Trump evil. Right. And that's how I found these videos. Okay. Because I'm surprised that he's able to express these opinions and people are on board with it. Yeah. Like, right. that's the scary thing. Yeah. Is that he's like, get the Mexicans out of here, and my dad's like, yeah, I've hated the Spics yeah, for I years. Guess, I mean, that's not scary to me because that's those people scary. existed. They were just existing. So we just have to wait for the baby boomers to die and let their racism just sort of fizzle out no, and be like, no, but but why be afraid of something just because you only just found out it's been there the whole time? Well, and that's the whole thing. That's so what I'm doing this day too. Is that been I've been ignoring time. this. I've, I've been ignoring. I haven't watched anything. I, I don't have a TV in my house. I don't. I don't do screen. I don't even have internet at my house for God's sake. Um, but I haven't really paid attention to it. And it's always. It's just sort of been this like, right. oh, this thing is happening. But so I thought it would be a good idea to like look at it and say, oh my God, this is what's happening. And, and yet, that's what scares me is it's not that he scares me. It's that there are so many people on board with what he's saying and they don't see it as a farcical. I look at this right. and I can be like, right. this is but so ridiculous. What a farce. But elected Obama twice. Those people were still around. They had the, all the same opinions. And, In fact, and there Obama were more of them. A, there a, were more of them. There's less baby boomers now. Right. There's more. There's, less, right. there's less actual baby boomers, but the thought... I just, I'm, I there. get really concerned when people become afraid of ghosts, afraid of myths, afraid of It's not a myth. We live beliefs. here. Okay, but think we about, live. think about if everyone who spent however many time, okay, how, if you calculated the number of minutes, the number of hours people have spent watching this, like, well, let's say whatever that is, right? There's only let's 395 say. views on this one, so not too many people have watched this. Okay, so 395 hours. 
right? So let's. Well, okay, they didn't. Three hundred ninety-five. Yeah, they're they're. So let's say, well, let's come up with some. Like, what do you want to like two hundred? Let's. Well, we can actually do the math on this for this okay. particular video. There are three hundred and ninety-five views. So right. that's multiplied by four minutes divided by sixty minutes, and that'll tell you the hours. Or no, just multiply by four minutes. Well, well, let's let's four, roll. Let's, right? let's roll. Let's go up in our in our ID. So we'll go four hundred times four would be sixteen hundred, right? So sixteen hundred divided by sixty. Oh, I have to get my not, phone out for math. No, 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 no. It's okay. Sixteen hundred take a, uh, divided by sixty. Take the zero off of each one. So you've got six going into one hundred and sixty. That's not too difficult. That's sixteen times, right? Well, I have I have a phone. So 16 hours. I have to make a, a, a lifeline call. A lifeline. I tried to do it in my head. It's it's one six zero divided by six is the answer. So 160 divided by six. So six goes into 16 twice. Time. So it's gonna be like. Oh, you know what? I forgot my phone. I only have an abacus. <laughs> What is 160 divided by 6? Six? 6 goes into 16 twice. It goes carry the 4 down. 4. 6 goes into 40. Uh, it, 6 times 8 is 48. So 7 times 41 would be 7 times. 42 would be 7 times. So, okay, so it's 26, 26 hours. Yeah, 26 and a half pretty much. Yeah, 26 hours. So it imagine, has been watched on this video alone. Right, this video alone. So imagine right. 26 hours helping people. Helping volunteering, making the world a better place. I mean... Right. But we could say that about watching anything on TV. It's absolutely. not just this particularly. Well, I mean, no, no, no. But look yes, at Survivor. No, no, no. Let's Sur talk about it in the context of this okay. specifically because okay. what we're talking about is how important this presidential race is and whether or not it's worth 26 hours 26 of Americans' hours. time. And this is only 395 views. It's, I, it's not, not so much worth... Like, seriously, imagine if you were spending that time actually doing something that made a difference. Right. I, well, I try to. I That's, try to do that all the time. Of course you do. Yeah, but we, not I, everybody. Right. Well, Most people not, are. But it's not. But okay. Let's keep it focused on whether or not we want to spend our like what 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 the where the value is in our time. Right. And what's really important and how important is it? So again, I'm not trying to say that this is not important at all. Right. I just don't think it's it's so important that we need to sacrifice that 26 hours we could be used to spend, right. you know, help someone. With well, the, I mean, hopefully today we spend two hours on him and people maybe right. realize exactly. that he's exactly. a douche magoo. Exactly. He doesn't so, wear and glasses. I'm, and I'm though, sorry so about, but, oh, no, no, it's but, great. But I think people have a hard time knowing this is easier. So part of the reason this happens is because it's so much easier to just tune in, get upset. It's more fun. It's more entertaining. People right. don't think of volunteering at a homeless shelter, you know, as right. entertaining like they do this. Well, and everything's fun when you're high. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> did you not know that? Hey, well, by the way, no. getting off topic for a second. You drank outside your house, which I think was admirable, and you had a very funny set with those two beers and no dinner. It was very funny. You were getting in everybody's faces, and it was funny because it was a real audience of, you know, non-comedians or new comedians, and it was good. And you were, you were, uh, you were a little, yeah, you were a little I, uh, bit to the, you were. It was funny. Well, it's frustrating to me because on Friday that was the first time I've ever performed with any alcohol at all inside you. Um, no, 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 no. Friday was the first time I'd ever performed after having spoken pot. Oh. And I had never tried that before. Smoking I always, I just assumed it would, I would crash and burn. But 
it depends on the depends on the parts that you're smoking. Well. Duh, hell yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so that was a good. That no, was good. No, but use I want to be able to do that without that crutch. Oh no, I understand. Don't ever do cocaine and then go do comedy. It's the like absolute worst thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. It'll ruin everything. <laughs> well, just like this. Well, because you're not really doing comedy, you're just standing in front of a bunch of people who are thinking, "Oh, you're doing cocaine." <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, look at Robin Williams. He made a whole career out of it. Uh, oh really? You think so? Did you watch Mark and Mindy? Well, I also heard... Were you there? I was, I was. Come on. He was... Some people just... I don't... But he wasn't sweating. Well, it's because they're makeup people that dabbed him down all the time, so he didn't look like, you know... I heard Whitney Cummings um, in the beginning took beta blockers to get over that stage fright, because that's really what's happening. That's why the alcohol You have stage fright? I I mean, oh my God. I thought you used to be a lawyer. Yeah, but... When you're arguing in front of a judge or a jury, um, you're su- it's you don't have to bring the same emotional presence that you do with comedy. And so it's if you're stiff and don't have any emotion, that's expected. I, I mean, see. it's whereas I mean, like if you're nervous, it's easier to pull that off because you don't have to get past that nervousness in order to create a performance in the same way. I've whereas with comedy, you like, you gotta get upset. I've or... never been nervous on stage. Yeah, I know you're lucky like that. I've Some never people... been nervous. The only time I've ever been nervous which was, was when I was going up for the punchline and I fucked up. Wow. You're That's so That's the lucky. only time I have ever so been lucky. nervous. Even at Cobbs, the time I did Cobbs, I wasn't nervous. Oh my God, you're so lucky. It just doesn't, it's fun. Performing is what, it's the reason I'm there. Yeah. It's what I'm doing it for. Well, me too. <laughs> it's just, I gotta get, it's just that the stage fright's you know, sucks the life out of the performance. Oh, I just... And arguing, you don't need any life in your argument. You don't need much life. I guess. I'm, I, I'm, and, I, I'm not good at arguing. And, I'm just good at yelling. And you know Is what else? Difference? You don't need any um, feedback from the judges. You, you're not expecting to get any feedback. So uh, the problem with comedy is you get feedback. You get basically a thumbs down with crickets, and you still have to go on. But uh, that's the thing, though, is I think that a lot of comedians... Oh, God, this XLR killing me. You know what? And I love your point about if you have their attention... That you're, yeah, that's, absolutely. That should be the focus. If if uh, it, I come from the poetry school where yeah. if as long as they're listening, you win. Well, you win. You're ever a winner. since you started saying that, I also noticed that when I'm in the audience, sometimes I, the comics definitely either can capture my attention, even if I'm not laughing. And some absolutely. of them, you just start thinking about your grocery list. Right. Oh, some of them, you start thinking about your own list, your grocery list. Start thinking about all kinds right. of stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, come on. And especially if you've heard their jokes before, if they're not keeping it fresh. Yeah. So, but I mean, right. I can tell. That's how I know I've had a good set when I'm looking out at yeah. a place like the Brainwash, right. and the people in the back aren't looking yeah. down. Right. If no one's getting a beer, no one's looking down, no one's on their phone, yeah. and they're all looking at you. I don't give a shit if they're laughing or not. They're paying attention. Well, that's one of the things that makes hysteria such a tough room is oh. that you can't see even whether or not they're paying attention. I haven't gone up there yet. I, I waited in line and, and then they bumped me. So I was like, I'm not going Ever? after the feature. No, I just, I went there once because I, I don't usually go out of, on Tuesdays, like mm-hmm. I don't usually go out of my comfort zone. And so one Tuesday I decided to go out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone and I went there and I signed up and they didn't say anything on the list where mm-hmm. the feature goes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I ran from a weird part of town too, because right. I wanted to get there on time. And I was like really far down on the list. I was like number eight or something, but the girl who was beneath me, mm-hmm. they had her go before me, and then they put the feature up, 
and everyone was there for the feature. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking brainwash. I've already been here for an hour and a half. I haven't bought a goddamn drink. And you fucking bump me? You fucking bump Pam Benjamin? Really? Do you know who I... Do you have any... Is this, I'm sitting there looking at Julie Ash, and I'm just like, you fucking cunty little freak. You fucking bump me. Well, I'm going to do it just because it is such a tough room. I want to it's not it. A, it's not a tough room. It's an easy room. It's a bunch of vaginas. That's the thing that made me crazy, too, is I'm like, I have so many feminist jokes that I could do without even blinking there. No, 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 no. You, okay, we should start doing hysteria together because it's... There's a lot of pain in that room, and you have to... This room is pain. I've been triggered. I have microaggressions now, and I'm going to be clear about it. Give me a break. You know what? Being a woman, I'm a woman. I need a safe space because I get triggered by male comedians. But there's well, not... I'm a, my metaphorical dick is throbbing right now to get inside you, cunt face. Okay, Give me I a get, break. I get you. I get you. But that all goes out the window with comedy because laughter is authentic. There is no, like, this is, this is their authentic selves is I cannot... Right? I have an authentic room with an authentic <laughs> audience. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that... Like, that's what I love about comedy. It gets past all that. It gets past all Well, I try to create an open, welcoming room. You absolutely do, Pam. People you have a good time. But you have, like, honestly, you have one of the best rooms. Thanks. I, I w- it wouldn't surprise me if in five years you're the brainwash. Well, I, I mean, I would have to actually find a way to make money at this place. Right. That involved not getting in trouble with the law. Right. And I don't really know how to do that because I'm a I'm a renegade. Oh, okay. I'm a hustler. I'm a pirate. Well, let's just keep. I mean, no, I'm scared now. It. I'm worried about. I'm worried about that ABC stuff. Did you see how I painted the door? How cute that How's is. That been going? Well, I wasn't here last night. Um, I should have been for the hooligans, um, the Sylvan boys of their open improv. And I called Justin like on the phone and I talked to him and I said, Justin, you've got to understand this. There can't be any alcohol outside. I don't even really want alcohol inside right now because we have to change the culture of the station. This is no longer a permeable membrane. This is a concrete wall. No alcohol can be on the street. We cannot sell alcohol here. We cannot do it. It has to be free. You have to bring it yourself or it's a donation. It's just the way it is. And we can't have any alcohol on the street because they're going to find everyone individually and they're going to find me. And that's the end of the station. Because I can't throw $3,000 into this place because someone was drinking a beer on the street. Exactly. So why don't we use this opportunity as an opportunity to figure out how to, I mean, we have to make change anyway, right? right? We have to change the culture. Let's also, while we're changing the culture, make, you know, figure out a way to make some money. And let's, let's, like, I love I'm Paolo. losing shows, though. I've been losing shows because oh, well, of see, the I'm, rent I'm increase. Talk- I just oh, lost another show today. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna. I want to get another show. That's what I'm here to talk to you about. I want a second. No, I haven't even started you haven't the even first started one. Your first. You don't well, have to pay more money. No, You're no, no, already no, no. Stop, 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 stop. See, that's okay. That's one of the things that you have to change in order to make more money. Is you have to stop denying money. Like a lot of people have a problem with that it's yeah. really really hard to accept money and so that's one of the things you're going to have to work on and that's okay don't expect yourself to get it right like instantly well i'm here for you i'm going to keep trying to shove money down your throat like you know you and shelly strable you guys are uh rad about that i just i'm not i'm just i'm not 
I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a miser. I'm not money savvy. I'm money savvy. Well, I think, no, I think it goes beyond that. I think part, the, the fact that your parents have money has something to do with it. I think that I would, wouldn't be surprised if subconsciously you have like an association with like money means asshole. Like they're, you know, probably right. Like I got to be this cons- I'm it's going to turn me into this. Con- I don't know. I'm just, no. Well, I mean, I, I used to have money, so it's cool. I just, right. I just don't. I did too. That's why it doesn't mean anything to me. Anymore. Right. But, but I mean, I do like it for certain. Roof over our heads. Exactly. And I do like it for certain things like, you know, uh, next week it's Jonathan's birthday and yeah, he's exactly. taking us to Napa. Well, and, and it would be nice be to go days. on vacation. Nice. Right. We're just, but two nights for us in a bed and breakfast is like the longest, craziest vacation for us. It's like two days, three days off of work, two day, two nights. And it's, it's like a big deal. Although I have to come back on Thursday to teach the kids. So uh, here, the, the kids mm-hmm. group. But And then the week after, I got him tickets for his birthday so we can see the Warriors game. And that was expensive. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to be as expensive as it is. But Dude, I paid $800 for Giants tickets once. What? I know. Oh, my, nice. These were 200 a piece, but they're standing room only. But it's perfect because I took my old cheerleading outfit and I changed it from green and gold. It's white and it has green and gold stripes. And I covered up the green stripes with blue, blue painters tape. Uh-huh. And I'm turning it into a warrior's cheerleader outfit. Oh, cute! And I'm making little pom poms. Awesome. And I'm in a standing room only anyway, so I can do all my like little leg kicks and all my stuff. And I can do all my cheers and I can make the whole. So I'm, I've made stadiums cheer before, like all of them, and you can hear them. And See, it's... that's one of the just amazing things about you is that you have that mindset oh i'm gonna be on tv performance i know no i'm the same way oh, yeah. like that's why i love it it's i'm gonna be the warriors fan how do TV. you not like think of these as performance opportunities right well <laughs> I, my, I can't not i just want them to come this is jonathan jonathan's like they're gonna ask us back and my goal is that man we spent Good. 200 bucks a piece i spent i spent 400 dollars yeah. total on these tickets for standing room only right i'm like can I just have another pair of those? I'll come back in the cheerleader outfit and I will totally do the magic again. I will make it happen. Even though they're doing great, obviously, on the court. But, like, they don't have any cheerleaders. Damn, they- this is brilliant. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to dress up. I'm going to make this outfit. And I'm, you know, I'm fucking 41 years old. And I'm going to go right. do my chairs and put my leg up in the air and be like, yeah, come on. Well, and, and do like defense. Okay, defense. so part of the not accepting money thing also involves like maybe your brain thinking of like these performance ideas. Maybe think about applying that mentality to money. Like, okay, there's other ways to get there other than you coming up with $400 or $400 coming from someplace else. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to get the money from. It's just I, I finally realized. I finally realized that you have to. That, that's what the festival helped with. Is that you have to charge people so that they see that there's value. Yeah, right. So th- all of those 50 minute shows, I charged 10 bucks a piece for. Yeah. And like Pamtastics, I only charged five bucks for. But I think that the way to do it is to maybe start it later. And what Pamtastic? Yeah, start it like at eight twenty, uh-huh. and make it not like the place for the comedians to hang out after, because that's the thing is that no one can drink outside anymore at all. Right. So they either have to be inside hanging out, 
Perfect. Or they have to be. Perfect. But, but the so do goal, the 20 minutes drinking but, inside like a cocktail party kind of a thing. Like cocktail, you maybe even call it that so that people have that in their mindset. Like, oh, we're hanging out in here. Well, but then they just, after that, they drink the alcohol and the comedians would leave. The whole thing is that the comedians can't be the audience. The audience has to be regular people. And I've been working on that. Yeah, for sure. With PR and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know what we'll do. We'll see. Well, I think, I don't know. I, I, that's one of the reasons I like podcasts so much is because it's really hard to get out. I know for me, I have so much going on. It's literally impossible for me to get out and do something that, that isn't work for me right, right. so right like, I, I i don't the last time john, the only thing jonathan and i ever do other than comedy is watch warriors games at benders exactly that's it we exactly. watch warriors games or we're doing comedy and that's like and my schedule is so fucked up because it's like right. mondays i've got joke workshop and then right. tuesdays i like to do those right. two open mics or, but you listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to a ton of podcasts. exactly so that's my point is like if we are having such a hard time getting out to see stuff maybe that's not maybe everyone is having a hard time getting out to see stuff that's just the world we live in now and so i think the let's like maybe focus on generating money from the podcasting somehow right well the the thing that makes that work is that it can only be on podcasts that have self-created so it's it's about trying to use the there's there's, it's self-created content you can't you can't really do things when you're dealing with other people's music. Well, we can t- I have yeah. a lot of ideas. I'm sorry. You know, no, no, no. I have a great. lot of ideas about how, like, I mean, because I think the sponsorship, I've been doing some research, obviously, and I don't know that the sponsorship is any longer the way to go with podcasting. I think that it was like that in the beginning, but now there's other better ways. to Yeah, to ask the consumer of the podcast to pay for it. And right. everything's so easy right. with all that Venmo and 99 cents is nothing for people, and they just go bink. Right. Exactly. Make it cheap enough. Right. Right. Um, but the, anyway, we'll talk, but then you let's have to talk make some it time on. because yeah, yeah. I just it's crazy stuff. I, I'm, I'm sure just, that I'm sure that everything will be better too when I get back from when I get back from Napa. I'll feel much better. When about are you going to Napa? Next Tuesday. Mm. So it's going to be Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We come back Thursday day, and then I teach here, and then I think I have a show that night. I don't know. I've been getting booked a lot. It's been really good. Uh, okay, we're listening. You guys have listened to the first half, uh, first quarter of the AltaCast. It is. 1234 you're listening to mutiny radio here on mutinyradio.fm or wherever you're listening to it downloading it i'm your host pam benjamin i'm joined by trina roderick uh, of the immutables sundays six to eight and uh this is the AltaCast brought to you by alta california botanicals best tink in the biz super delicious gets you high gets you healed go to your local dispensary and ask for it by name alta california botanicals uh, you can give us a call at 415-550-0511, unless you're Sweet Gail. I don't want to talk to you, Sweet Gail, today. I don't want to do it. It doesn't matter. You never listen to this anyway, so I can totally be like, Sweet Gail, don't call. And it's going to light up, I betcha. Uh, we're talking about Trump today because I wanted my dad to talk about Trump, and he wouldn't do it. And I can't figure out why people would vote for him. So uh, this is a, our next video is uh, Sellout Donald Trump Exposed as Fascist New Dictator of America. I could have told you that. If you're listening to that weird buzz in the background, I apologize. It's our mixing board. Here we go. So is Donald Trump controlled? Well, according to many, he's not. But there are two groups of the elite. The ones that come from old money like Donald Trump that are into eugenics and the global police state. And then there is the new group of elite, the entrepreneurs that aren't into this. I will say that Trump definitely has balls. I think most people will vote for him because they're sick of all this politically correct bullshit being shoved in their faces recently. 
but it's really important to not follow people blindly, and I see a lot of people doing this to Donald Trump. It's also incredibly important to do your research, and when I researched Trump and his policies, I was horrified at what I found. So when I made a comment in a previous parody video of Trump, I joked about him giving people lobotomies against their will. I didn't know this was actually going to be one of his policy points. He says politicians have ignored mental health. You mean the atrocities committed in it? He says people that are a danger to themselves or others should be taken off the streets. Where are you going to put them? Obviously mental institutions against their will. And who cares if someone is a harm to themselves? They have the right to hurt themselves if they fucking want. Anyone can be classified as being a harm to themselves or others. So, as you can see, Trump supports the horrors of psychiatry which originated from Nazi Germany, and he wants to make it worse by knuckling down and further increasing the number of people giving chemical lobotomies against their will, what? just because they didn't fit into our toxic society. Another policy point of his that greatly troubled me was him saying he would pass an executive order to enact the death penalty to anyone that killed a police officer. And with all the police horrors surfacing in the media recently, he wants to increase the police state even more, creating his own Gestapo. We all know police lie through their teeth, so how many times would they lie and pretend that someone didn't kill an officer in self-defense so even more innocent people would die thanks to police with the help of Trump? And don't even get me started on his $20 billion Mexican Berlin Wall and him proposing worse immigration than the already horrifying TSA sexual psychopaths. So Donald Trump is clearly a Nazi, and I thought this even before I found out he is German, but that is just icing on the cake. I will have no problem adding him to the dictator poster on my truly free banner if he becomes president. The US is only going to get shitter. Even though I think politics is stupid in general, I'd recommend going libertarian. Libertarians believe in the fundamental principle of freedom. They also believe there needs to be a government, but it needs to be very, very small. I also agree. I think humans are too stupid and malfeasant to manage on their own. I don't know who'll get the libertarian place, maybe John McAfee, but any libertarian is better than Trump. Of course, I know a libertarian will probably never be president, but vote for a libertarian or vote for no one, it's all bullshit anyway. The US is going downhill and it will just keep going further downhill. Although New Mexico passed a law recently that stops the government forcing your kids on psychiatric drugs, which is the opposite of what Trump wants, why don't you vote with your passport, vote with your dollars? Go somewhere where the government doesn't treat you like a baby, somewhere you're treated with respect. I don't really care if the United States gets worse. I'm never going there in the future because of the horrible TSA where you get a friendly welcome of an interrogation and an anal probe, which Trump wants to make worse. The US will definitely get worse if Trump gets elected. Maybe one day people will wake up, but worst case scenario, I'll just keep going to more and more third worldy countries as the global police state rises and our freedoms disappear. All right, that's from Truly Free. What do you think of that, Trina? I think um, there's a huge difference between persuasion and preaching to the choir. Right. And He was preaching to the choir. And counterproductive in persuading anyone. Counterproductive in persuading. Yeah. He was too boring. He was too English. 
No, he was not accurate enough. He was too, he exaggerated too much. He was not. The cocks in the mouth, the big American no, cocks no, no, in the no, mouth no, were, no, were no. kind of, a, that's fine. No, 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 that's fine. It, that's, that's, that was awesome. Yeah. I liked the cocks in the mouth. That, yeah. that made it they more were, enjoyable to watch. They had a, they kept, you know, Donald Trump has that weird, oh, mouth thing. They needed, they needed, um, like a, uh, like what do you, I don't even know what technically what they're called, but like, you know, how they're like Delta? little, no, 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 like the little, like, a little bit of movement with the dicks like oh, he like needed to have a dick slapping him in the face right 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 like right, right, just right, in the like mouth that's so vanilla yeah pretty vanilla yeah it looked it was a, it was a fun little, little fun little uh, fun little it video was. cool i'm so sorry i'm the no, worst no, no, person no, no. to talk to about no it's politics. great no it's I great must. these are the th- this is th- these are just the Secret. I'm so sorry. This is this is the section where there are other people saying that Donald Trump is an asshole, and, and, and I'm you know. Well, he's clearly of, an asshole. Why would you even need to do any research? And then okay, maybe so he needs to also research libertarians. Is he insane? Yeah, that's like hello. That's, you're just what? Guns I'm are sorry. fun. I know, and the libertarians are well. I think we need like tons of parties. Or like maybe he maybe five Australian party libertarians are different from American and libertarians, but you don't want anything to do with fucking American libertarians. I don't. Oh, they uh, they like guns a lot. That's all I know about them. Oh, well they want all the national parks sold cuz there's no government, right? So there's no national parks. That's all private that's property. That's terrible. Again, exactly. We have to That's have my parks. point. He's not researching like, "Oh, yeah. I researched Donald Trump and and I'm not endorsing him, but I'm going to endorse, endorse something that I haven't researched." Right. This is my why would anyone that's as stupid as Trump. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I get, no, that's I'm, great. I'm so sorry. No, that's I, great. Now this, this is gonna upset you. So that, yes, that, I get, this is why that, I that last, that last video only had 395 views, and we'd figured out that was 26 hours of wasted time. <laughs> this one has 575,379 views, uh-huh. and exactly. it's five minutes long. Exactly. And exactly. And it's so it's the five and secret no conspiracies. Like, well, this is no. This is the thing. This is I looked up Donald Trump evil, and I came here. It came out with five secret conspiracies to stop Donald Trump. So I think this one will be funny and weird because okay. I'm, I, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen. Donald Trump's billionaire enemies have so far held their fire, featuring fearing he would expose them in their ferocious counterattacks. But with their oligarchy on the line, the Shadow Koch brothers are rumored to be busily preparing a media assault. Oh. Meeting with their fellow members of the donor, donor class, the Koch's are allegedly pooling together a $100 million war chest. What is this? Oh, this is a conspiracy. $75 million for a scorched earth ad campaign against Trump and $25 million for a Marco Rubio if he wins Florida. Well, we already know that Rubio didn't, didn't get it. Rubio has supposedly been warned that if he doesn't start winning, the Koch's might resort to Plan B. What, are you going to murder him? Uh, draft Romney. This is the number four one. This is ridiculous. According to the Republican strategist Roger Stone, the Koch's are preparing to put Mitt Romney in the primary race. There's something for Romney next, actually. After all, some of the biggest states do not hold their primaries until after March, including New York and California. Oh my God, are they going to put Romney in? No, they- 
In this plan, Romney would not necessarily need to accumulate more delegates than Trump. Trina's losing her shit right now. She's laughing, never seen her laugh this hard. He would just need to win enough to prevent Trump from securing the nomination in the first round of voting. This brokered convention strategy might explain why Romney has refused to endorse a candidate. We're going to watch the Romney thing next. He slams. He slams him. Three. Broken brokered convention. Establishment members of the Republican Party are threatening to abandon it rather than support a Trump nominee. Really? This is all, well, that's right, because it's all secret conspiracies. Neoconservative hawks fear that Trump will put an end to the foreign interventions that have lined their pockets. Trina thinks this is so funny. While the supply-side economics wing fear higher taxes on the wealthy will upset its trickle-down orthodoxy. We already know trickle-down doesn't work. Everyone spends all their money. No one trickles down. William Crystal, editor of the conservative Weekly Standard, is floating the idea of an independent Republican. All right. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. And there are also reported plans for congressional candidates to run against Trump's revolution in the general election. Second conspiracy, secret conspiracy. There's a third party. The Rubio and Kasich campaign have also reportedly crafted plans to take out Trump on the convention floor. Like by shooting him? That's the conspiracy theory I can get behind. If they, if they can deny Trump in the first round of voting, delegates will be free to vote for anyone in the next rounds. So Congress is deciding our... Oh, wait, I like this one. The That's establishment good... has the power to change the rules, however, and allegedly may not let Trump even get that far. Well, what's the establishment? I don't know. Delegates are supposed to be tied to the primary votes in each state, but they are typically party loyalists. Oh, they're talking about the Electoral College. But how... Electoral College delegates. But they're claiming... That... Some GOP operatives believe that anti-Trump rule change can be managed in advance if necessary. Number one, elect Hillary, the top five conspiracy theories to stop Donald Trump. The big fix is in, said Roger Stone, a former advisor to Trump. The Republicans will take Hillary if they must. See, that's actually, that's what I had been thinking. Well, she's going to, she's under investigation from the FBI right now. For the Republican establishment, Trump is not just a threat to their plan for this year's election. He's also an existential threat to the establishment itself, with those in power fearing his rise will upset their control. Oh no, he's part of it. Give me a break. Establishment Republicans fear the man who is not bound to the party's donor class. He's tied to so many corporations, it's just... And Clinton's past business-friendly relationships may mean they could actually see their influence increase. Business-friendly relationships. That's Dark Five Secret Conspiracies to Stop Donald Trump. Okay, so you were laughing at that hysterically in many places. Sorry. uh, Well, you know more than than I do about what's going on with the government. No, no, I just... No, I just don't like bullshit. Like, 
the establishment. Well, what the right. fuck? Do, what is that? Let's talk about things that are real. It abstracts, right? right. It's total abstraction. Even Republicans and Democrats, it's still an abstraction. We are right. you know, individual human beings, and, and that renders it meaningless. Well, and that's I've been saying this for a long time. Is that um, what's the point of why don't why isn't it one man, one woman, one vote? If 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 we can figure out ways for everyone to vote for American Idol on their fucking cell phone and not vote more than once or whatever, why can't we do that with the presidency? Yeah. Why does it have to be these delegates right. in this electoral college? And right. It should be right. one person, one vote, one person, yeah. one human, one human, one yeah. person, whatever. Just the, 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 the language is just well, so patriarchal. Honestly, I, I wonder to what extent we should allow kids to vote. Like, I think that might be the part of the problem with education is that children have no voice. Yeah, but a lot of kids, like when I was a kid, I would have voted Republican because my parents were well, Republican. Uh, no, what I mean is vote for stuff that affects them. I mean, but they, they, they're still... The Kids' Choice Awards, that's a big thing every year on Nickelodeon. It's a big deal. Or figure it's all voted by kids. Trina. I just want to figure out a way to empower education somehow. Oh, no, absolutely. Dude, I taught, I, w- I was a credentialed school teacher for four years in the, in the, and I got out of teaching in 2001 because of No Child Left Behind. Yeah. I started, I taught from 97 to, to 2001. Yeah, it's a total disaster. And when No Child Left Behind started rolling in in 2001, I was like, I am out of 2000, 2001. I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, no. no one had ever been in my classroom to to do any to worry about my special ed kids or what I was doing and all of a sudden there's all these tests they've got to take and they've got to pass this test and we've got to do this thing and we've got to use this packet and there wasn't any money like we didn't even have money to give kids their own books they couldn't take books home because they wouldn't bring them back and we didn't have the money to photocopy them so we only had them in the classroom and they were sharing books and education gets shit on and that needs to stop and I don't know how else to do I mean well, yeah, and a then voice, and then we I don't know what else. we we we've uh, at the uh, this is my theory about No Child Left Behind. Uh, it's the systematic culling of critical thought from our education system. It's all gone. Yeah. Now we're all teaching to oh, the yeah. test. It's all. It's I. Even when I was in graduate school and I was teaching in college and, you know, twenty two thousand eight through twenty twelve. I agree with you and I disagree with you. There's no critical thought is not allowed on the surface, but I believe. What I saw in the students I was teaching is that there's critical thought happening. It's just not coming to the surface. It's not allowed to the surface. They have no voice. Well, they have a voice on Twitter and Facebook. Exactly. And, and, and what comes out of that is a bunch of bullying and kids killing themselves because nobody likes me. And now they don't like me on the Internet either. We're we're ter- and But that's the culture. That's the thing is that what we forget is that we're not just teaching kids through school like knowledge to learn exactly. it's learning the culture and it's learning how right. to deal with individuals and what we basically taught them is how to be lazy entitled little motherfucks because well i finished miss no, benjamin i finished it i did it like i'm no, sorry no, no, it's no, not no. good enough I, I told them even this is in college this no, is no, happening no, so i'm teaching worse, in college no, no, no it's worse than lazy it's i am being forced to go someplace where i'm going to potentially be bullied and abused by other students well that happens this is a violent frightening environment if we're gonna put guns in it right lazy that would well no but that's that would be an improvement but what i'm saying is that i got them in college once right i taught i got out of the education system in 2001 and then i started teaching um in graduate school or whatever in, in 2008 and what i got were the kids that were of that generation and when they got to college and they're in college 
I would grade a paper and I would say, this is a C minus. This isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to redo it for a better grade. And they'd say, nah, it's done. It's fine. Well, but I I would like, and they were in college. Right. But why is it that college doesn't, I mean, to a certain extent, it does distinguish those kids from the other kids who do want to do it again. Right. So I, one of my frustrations with the grading system and the fact that we haven't really revamped um, the way we educate is that why couldn't the student who wants to do it again, keep doing it until they get a good grade in that class and then walk away with an A. That would right? be that would like, be great because that would also other show. Other than but this is your one shot at it. You've turned it right, in. Now right. you're done. Now well, you're, it's the grade and that's it. And the good thing about redoing it or whatever is it's teaching them exactly. the skill to Which jump the through point. the people don't jump through the hoops anymore. And I see it with adults. I see it all the time with lazy comedians that don't want to actually write jokes and they right. don't want to actually work on yep. things. And then they show up. I don't want to name names, but then they'll show up at an open mic and be like, why is it? When it it's like, and blame the audience. Right. And it's like, you're not doing the work. Right. Absolutely. So how do you expect to reap the rewards when you're not doing the work? Right. Cause we don't teach. That's what we should. One of the many things we should be teaching in school. We don't, Right. No, I know. I know. It was hard. That's why I got out. Of, that's why I got out of teaching. I'm telling you, it was it was rough. That's why I'm not getting into it. Well, and I don't want to go back to either. I'm like, how am I going to make money with my own life? And people keep saying, like, why don't you? Why don't you just jump the station? Why don't you just take care of yourself oh, and get a real this job? This is one of the best money making. Do you know Jerry Seinfeld is worth eight hundred and fifty million dollars? Jerry Seinfeld is one of the highest paid comedians there are. Well, there is a ton of money in comedy. If like, I personally think this is probably the thing that you're doing that has the best potential to pay you or to, you know, return in huge rewards. That's the only reason I'm doing it. I wouldn't huh. waste my time if I didn't think that this could make money. I, I, I don't I don't mean to be so, I mean, money doesn't mean anything to me, but at the right. same time, I have to keep a roof over I know, my me head. Too. I know, I mean, And my, my overhead is very, very low, and I'm still, I'm not making right, this month Right, exactly. Rough. My overhead is really low. I just... My overhead is lower than... I, I don't know anyone with a lower overhead. Right, and I guess it's not so much I'm trying to say, oh, I want to make $850 million. I just mean, right. like, you don't have to... It's there. Uh, yeah, I hope so. We'll, well see. Well, and, like, the worse things get, the more people want to laugh. Right. Well, and honestly, I wouldn't have any idea what kind of real job I could go out and get. It's like, <laughs> right. I have I have, I have all this education, and right. I have absolutely no idea how to... Uh, how to turn that into money. Graduate school is a poor decision. Okay, but we've established that you don't really have... You're having a hard time turning anything into money. Right. I know, I have eight novels I do too, I do too. I mean, it's not, it's not just you. I'm not trying to... No, no, I know. And everyone says, well, why don't you just take that children, that million dollar children's novel to an agent? I'm like, I don't, what agent am I going to get? I need to get an illustrator for that thing. Well, you should take it to like a conference, like a go to a writer's conference. Oh yeah. I mean, I just need to meet an illustrator to do it and it, and I need to talk to Chronicle books, but I mean, the fairy agent could just swoop down and that would be great. That'll never happen. Well, there aren't there, there's like new websites or apps where you can say, I'm looking for somebody. Oh, um, I don't shit. I don't remember the name of it. Someone told me one of them and I was like, Oh, I want to try one of those out. Well, I've got a lot of people through here. Tim of, uh, behind the mind. He's a co-host with David Cologne. He's an illustrator. And I told him the rhyme last week and he's like, it's fucking brilliant. I'm like, I know it's a brilliant rhyme and it's going to make a lot of money if I can get an illustrator. Uh, and uh, then bring it to Chronicle Books and be like, hey, look, I'm local. Look, I'm a nanny. I'm a local nanny. And I've trained Mm -hmm. all these kids on this potty rhyme. And then if they did that, I'd be like, woohoo, here, here are my other books. Right, right. Uh, this is Romney slams Donald Trump's business failures. So I looked up, uh, Donald Trump has gone into bankruptcy four times. 
just so you know. If we Republicans choose Donald Trump as our nominee, the prospects for a safe and prosperous future are greatly diminished. Let me explain why I say that. First on the economy. If Donald Trump's plans were ever implemented, the country would sink into prolonged recession. A few examples. His proposed 35% tariff-like penalties would instigate a trade war, and that would raise prices for consumers, kill our export jobs, and lead entrepreneurs and businesses of all stripes to flee America. His tax plan, in combination with his refusal to reform entitlements and to honestly address spending, would balloon the deficit and the national debt. So even though Donald Trump has offered very few specific economic plans, what little he has said is enough to know that he would be very bad for American workers and for American families. But you say, wait, wait, wait. Isn't he a huge business success? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. His bankruptcies have crushed small businesses and the men and women who work for them. He inherited his business. He didn't create it. And whatever happened to Trump Airlines? How about Trump University? And then there's Trump Magazine, and Trump Vodka, and Trump Steaks, and Trump Mortgage. A business genius he is not. All right. A business genius he is not. What do you think about the, uh, I mean, you live in America, you live in this economy. Do you think that the president affects the economy? I mean, we talk about that kind of stuff all the time, that Clinton was in charge, you know, it was all Clinton. It was all Clinton why we all had the dot-com boom and then Certainly, yeah, the dot-bomb and the, I right. mean. Uh, yeah, that's why I already miss Obama. Is I, I'm, it's a bummer. This is. It's a, it's a bummer. So this gets into her. What if uh, we went back to like George Washington, for example? Uh-huh. He was a candidate, great president. Love did those Did not want and... to actually be president. Like, right. I wonder what it would look like if nobody actually ran for president. We just give you the job. Well, then it would be Harrison Ford because everybody would be like, they want Han Solo yeah, as their I president. Know. I don't know about that. We're pretty dumb, Trina. As a people, as a group, we're pretty well, I dumb. Mean, there, I don't mean just like right anybody. We're smart. Well, but I that's don't the thing. Think so, I mean, but what are people getting upset about then? I mean, why, do, why is this getting so much media coverage if we're so dumb? I mean, you know, people want a real, legitimate, we are very, very afraid of this country going downhill fast. Well, I mean, people, but the thing is that people voted for George W. Bush the second time around, too. And, and when that happened, I said to my ex-husband, I said, uh, if he gets reelected, we get to leave the country. And he said, yes, that's great, because he never thought it would happen. And then he was reelected and I said let's let's get out of here and he said no we're not we're not going anywhere so I just wore black for a month uh, until my corporate job told me that I was offending the other Republicans that worked there because I was walking around going I'm in mourning for my country I'm in mourning it's a really sad day that you that my, my country is so stupid that they would elect this terrible idiot I mean George W. Bush is, I'm smarter than him. I know that. And you should never be smarter than your president. I think that that's a mistake. I think that Donald Trump is conniving. I think he's a conniving man. Do I think he's smart? He's a conniving man. Okay, but you have now just touched on my concern with Bernie Sanders. Okay. I don't think he's dumb. He's not as smart as Obama. 
Oh, no one's as smart as I mean, Obama was the lawyer, sharp as a whip. Exactly. I that, mean, that's Bernie's I just mean been by... consistent. He's yes. been consistent. Oh, he's the best candidate for sure. He's been consistent on all of his choices that he's been. He's been in politics for 40 years, and he and he's, he's an honest. Dude, and that's the thing. It's just so amazing, is that oh, yeah. he's an honest guy, and uh, and he doesn't have a problem with his hairline, which is why I mean. It, that's the ultimate. So what is the status now? I mean, I, I the status. Really oh down. God, it's um, Hillary's winning over over Bernie right now, but we haven't gotten to California yet. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Rubio's dropped out. Cruz has dropped out. Really? Yeah, Rubio dropped out. Cruz dropped out. Oh. The only one really running right now. But that's why I, I brought Rubio up Rubio for the Republicans. I mean, my my dad liked Rubio. I like Rubio's fish tacos because on Tuesday mm-hmm. they are dollar seventy five. They used to be a dollar fifty, and they raised the price to two thirty. I had two Rubio's fish tacos yesterday. It was delicious. Uh, but my dad liked Rubio, and uh, I wanted him to tell us why. But he said, oh, he's out now. I don't know what to do. I don't want to have to vote for Trump. But if Romney comes back, I can't believe they'd let a Mormon in. I mean, my dad would sooner vote for Trump than he would for a Mormon. Absolutely. Because he thinks the Mormonism well, is a cult because he's super Christian. Trump, but what about a Republican that's not on board with Trump? Would they vote for I think that he was he was a Rubio fan, but he again my dad wouldn't call in and tell us a why. He just called me a commie pinko liberal and said, "If you don't know why, I can't even tell you." Uh, he said, "I thought you were a capitalist now," and I'm like, "No, no." He's like, well, "How much of your how much money did you take from that from that uh, comedy festival that you raised?" And I said, "I didn't take any of it." Your, you should put your dad into your material. <laughs> I like my dad though. Why did too? But. Uh, but he is, he is, he is a Republican. And my stepdad, I just, you know, the he, arguments are hilarious because they, you know. Yeah. Da- daddy, daddy, well, what's the difference between Democrats and Republicans? Well, well, Pammy, Republicans are people with money that want to keep it. And Democrats are people without money that want to take the Republicans' money right. and give it to their poor people. Uh, <laughs> that was the party line in my house when I was growing up. No, 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 that's... That's fundamentally the difference between the two mentalities is how do we think about the world? Do we think of rich people as entitled and deserving and, you know, leached on by the poor? Or do we think of the poor as entitled and deserving and leached on by the rich? Well, the the thing, what it has to do with is it it does, it really does come down to socialism and come down to labor in that, absolutely. in that um, I work... I would say that I work 80 hours a week on my craft. My craft that I have chosen is just not something that is monetarily valued in the United States, which is a real bummer. Wait, what craft? Comedy? Comedy. Or, oh. comedy radio. What are you talking about? It's totally, you just have to put the time in. But You're almost there. I, it's valued. I, I, $850 put, million, dollars, Seinfeld. I have put in, that's the thing though, is that right now, I put in, you know, I put in maybe 20 hours a week as a nanny, and yep. that's what keeps me alive. Right. And I work probably yeah, 60 work to 80 off. hours a week yeah. on radio and comedy, and I make close to nothing. But you will. I get, I get, I get a lot of beer. I get a lot of free beer. I get a lot of free food, which I really appreciate. And it's not not getting paid. I, right. I do get to eat a lot, and I do get to drink a lot because of comedy. Well, and, and that's not a problem. And, and it's social. And it's fun, but that's the thing is that it's still a job. It's still my chosen work. And the problem is that we don't value labor and work equally. Yes. And people say, well, if it's fun, then you shouldn't right. get paid for it. Right. And that's when I was a teacher right. and I was younger. And my ex-husband would be like, well, Pam, 
You got to choose jobs that aren't fun. If you could be an accountant, you could make $100,000 right. a year. If you did sell insurance, he's like, if you do a shitty job no right. one wants, right. you get paid a lot because you're sitting in an office. I'm like, but why is my work, why is my work and talents and worth not equally supported monetarily by our society, by our culture? And that's just true. It's just, well, part even of it before that, I did, I did theater. But, but, what, but essentially what... I'm sorry, was that your dad you said? No, 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 my ex-husband. Your ex-husband was, I mean, it's it's the competition. Like, that's why it's hard to make money as a graphic designer is because there's so many of them out there because it's an enjoyable artistic job that right. they would rather do than selling insurance. Right. That's... But then that that's not, that's not fair. I think that, I think that a person who... Uh, grows pot plants, the person who makes our roads, the person who teaches our children, the people who are doctors. I think that we should all have our work equally valued. Definitely. Because everybody... Because if everybody worked at what they wanted to work at, wouldn't things get done? Like, my Jonathan loves farming. He would grow food and plants and weed and all that stuff, you know? It's great. It's more... To me, it's more moral than practical because part of the problem... And if you... There's a philosopher by the name of John Rawls I think you would enjoy. Um, And I I just... I walked away from college as like this was the most important thing I think I learned in college which is that it's not fair because the person who's rich couldn't have what they have couldn't do what they do if they had to go grow their own vegetables right dump their own trash if there wasn't a trash man coming to pick up if they didn't have all this support this labor support around them they could not have the riches that they have right McDonald's the, the shareholders at McDonald's cannot you know work at the drive through window. Right. Somebody has to do that for them. They could not make the twenty million in profit if they didn't have that labor support. And if them. they didn't have the people working in the plant that made the exactly. paper that was printed on with the thingy and the right. stuff and stacking but, them and sending them and But what we can't do is go to pure socialism. That clearly no, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Because some people are lazy because not everybody's gonna work no, as hard everybody as everybody. is gonna be lazy and not work as hard without that but, profit motive. I, but so not we just have everybody to- because I have a very little profit motive and I work really hard and I think a lot of people no, no, do no, that no, with little no, profit it's motive it's different though I mean I've well no it's it's different because once that once the income is guaranteed like you're working because you're striving for something once you stop striving for anything then that motive goes away well if I don't strive then nothing happens There's yeah but no, what if something away. happened without you striving that has That's never happened. Point. That exactly, has never but, happened. But my point is, it you would... It, it's most people, it's just human nature. Once you don't have to work for it, you don't. Like, if you... So, so there has that to makes be sense. some That bounce. makes sense in, like, relationships. That makes exactly. total sense. Is that it's, like, that hard-to-get thing. And then once you have it, you right. want... Right. The grass is, like is always too. greener. And, and so there, but, but the problem is we're out of balance. So there right. does need to be a reward. And I think that's part of the reason there is this gap between rich and poor in the way we think about each other. Because sure. we have to credit rich people for taking the risks that they take. Um, spending the hours and the work, you know, that it's not nothing, but it's, but they're getting too much for it. Absolutely. So. And I, I honestly think that people who do real labor are I mean being a nanny I'm taking care of someone's most precious like supposedly like see here's what's gonna happen this is what happens so one of the things I learned as an attorney is that if you pay your dues 
you will very like th- that those dues will pay off for you in huge dividends right it's, so that's never happened to me it, but it's it's not you're not there yet you just have to keep having faith that that is going to happen and that what you are doing is at least you know it's not unreasonable for you to think that it has that potential because it does so just pay your dues hang in there you know for me success feels like working really hard to fall off a cliff Right. So it, it's scary because you're on the edge, you're, you might not make it, you're engaging in risky, you know, you're not the insurance salesman making a, um, you know, guaranteed income. Sure. Right? But it'll happen eventually. We'll see. Hopefully, well, we'll see if anybody even can find my thumb drive when I'm dead to or get Or at the least, how about this, it has the potential to pay off. It, maybe. We'll see. Got to keep up. This one has 21,000 views, so not as many. Uh, This is more history for us, and this is how Donald Trump cut deals to avoid bankruptcy in the 1990s. See, that's the thing is I, I would never be bankrupt because I don't believe in credit cards. I'm so scared. I'm scared of credit. Like, I don't have a credit card. I have everything in cash. I hide cash. That's good. I don't, I don't trust it. Um, bankruptcy it's scary it's like oh you just had millions of dollars and then you're like oops just no i don't so duh, i don't have to pay it right I don't as a presidential candidate donald trump has no government record to weigh but one way to consider the type of president he might be is by examining his business career and particularly the way he handled his biggest crisis the staggering debt he and his companies owed in the early 90s here with the story is Wall Street Journal news editor Peter Grant. Welcome, Peter. Great to see you. Thank you. Set the stage for us, if you will. What was Donald Trump facing in 1990? Did he risk losing his entire empire? Donald Trump at that point was on the edge of the precipice. He owed $3.4 billion in debt, he and his companies, which he couldn't repay. Even more serious, $830 million of that debt he had personally guaranteed. So his creditors would have been able to push him into bankruptcy, if personal bankruptcy, if they had wanted. You also have to remember the time. It was in the middle uh, of a recession. The commercial real estate market was even worse than it was uh, in, in this most recent downturn. So things were really bad. And people who were in better shape than him had to file personal bankruptcy. So it was a dark time. And what sort of debt restructuring did he agree to was he happy about that? Well, he was happy because it saved uh, saved him, right. it saved his career and his, and, and, and his company and his organization. But it, uh, at the time, it was a very painful thing for him to go through. He um, and a group of banks agreed to a restructuring of a big portion of his debt and, and a plan in which he basically agreed to sell off a lot of his assets. It was also embarrassing for him. He had to agree to an allowance for his personal and uh, household expenses. None too shabby, though. $450,000 a month? Yeah, yeah. Just about squeak by on that? (laughs) Exactly. Just about squeak by. But still, for someone of his ilk, of his celebrity and reputation to agree to that was a a bitter pill. One of the things that struck me about your article was that the New New Jersey Attorney General's Office that has been for years very closely studying all of these sort of financial arrangements of Trump and and Atlantic City says that some of this debt restructuring was so complicated that even after all these years, nobody in their office really 
understands it. Well, first of all, it was very complicated. There were many interlocking pieces mm -hmm. of his New York properties and the casinos and bondholders and creditors. It was fantastically complicated. But in the course of the reporting that uh, Ali Burzon and I did, we found that he intentionally kept it complicated. He intentionally with, w w managed the information in such a way that he was really the only one who understood what was going on, and right. it worked. It right. worked. It worked. Now, how long did it take for him to sort of get out of all of this debt, his personal debt? And we know he's okay now, but what about the contractors? Did they get what they were owed? Well, the contractors working on some of his projects that had to go through bankruptcy, like the Taj Mahal, no, they didn't. Mm -hmm. and, and that's actually a standard thing in a bankruptcy that contractors don't get paid a hundred cents on the dollar, but it was painful for them. Right. Uh, Trump's explanation is they had already made a lot of money uh, on him, and, and this was just kind of the way business is. But he's free and clear now. Oh, yes. Free and clear. Uh, yeah, by a long shot. So what's the takeaway here? Is he just so good at deal-making that he is sort of able to work his way out of these problems? Is he also such a personality that he's able to convince people that the worth of his real estate is tied to him personally? Well, that's part of it. And I, he certainly saved himself partly because he was worth a lot more to his creditors out of bankruptcy than in bankruptcy. But I think another one of the takeaways take is just the way that Trump conducts business. Um, he has his own style. I mean, there's some people that if they borrow money, they feel obliged to pay it back no matter what. Through right. thick and thin, their handshake is their bond. Trump's view was somewhat different. I mean, his view was, if I owe people money, especially in a tough time like this, when my back is on the rope, I'll do what I can to not have to pay a hundred cents on the dollar to get out of, and not have to pay everything that I owe. That was his style and it was effective. Very interesting. It was indeed. Peter Grant, thank you so much for that great piece. You're welcome. Effective in not paying money he owed? I don't understand. Well, everybody tries to get out of paying money they owe. They do? Really? We're all just dying to pay our taxes. I just don't pay taxes. <laughs> exactly. It's I under the, think, I don't, I'm I don't the know. Tables, I think no. a lot of, from what I understand, a lot of millionaires make and lose a lot of money. I, I, I don't think that, personally, I think I would almost rather have someone who had learned that much from these successes and failures. This is pretty typical of, of millionaires and really wealthy people to get their risking. And so right. very often, what do you think? I, I, I can't even understand the concept of a person having business dealings of $3.2 million exactly. in debt, Three, or $2.2 that's what they started with, 3.2 billion. Right. So like, I can't even conceptualize exactly, 3.2 so billion would, dollars. Like, why wouldn't, I mean, I, I think if anything, this is an argument for Trump. I don't want to argue for Trump. I'm not, endorsed, that's not what I'm saying here. But my point is, our country owes a lot of fucking money. Yeah, you're right. We just default on all the loans. <laughs> Hello? Like, if he can get Trump us out of paying China. That, wouldn't that be incredible? Right? Like, I don't yeah. know. This is but, okay, listen. So what's going to happen? So you're struggling now, right? It's it's hard. You, yeah. you spend a lot of hours. You put a lot of time in, right? Yeah. So then what happens when you when it, it hits? When you I burn succeed. out? No, oh. when you succeed, okay? So yeah. now you've succeeded. You've you've made it. That's what you're trying to do, right? That's the point to putting all this work in, right? I'd like to be able to... I'd like to be able to make a comfortable living doing 
I'd like okay. to not struggle to right. to have what my meager perfect stuff. And if I and if I could do that, that would be that would be great. Right. So what happens then, though, is you're going to continue to be surrounded by people who are not in that place, who are still struggling, who are not, who, and then who look at you and your non-struggle and don't see that behind that achievement is hours and tens of thousands of hours and do pain and sacrifice and risk, like, People just sort of become oblivious to that, and I think that's part of the reason that there's this disconnect between rich and poor is because the rich people want to be sort of, I don't know, this is a bad way to phrase it, but want to be, what, like, that they're not going to forget how much work it took. Like, they don't except, feel entitled. They feel like so, this was work. So many people are already born on third base, so it, yes, doesn't, it doesn't make sense that's that true. they, that's they didn't really work for that's it. True. Their that's parents true. handed them everything, and their parents Absolutely. still pay for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes me crazy when people take money from their parents and then they're in their 40s. I wish I could take money from their parents. they're indoctrinated into that. But see, that's often also that there's, there, those people are often around somebody who ha, who is working hard for it. Like, right, right. Um, and that's what kills me. <laughs> like all the, the rich people have a lot of um, uh, jobless people around them. Like they're all of their family. Right, right. Well... I wouldn't, I mean, I can't even imagine making 36 grand a year. I've been making like 18, between 12 and 18 grand a year for the past, I don't know, eight years. I mean, I have low overhead. Yeah, uh, but think about how, how different that would, I mean, it puts you in it. It's weird because it puts you in a different relationship with the people that you had a relationship before. Not necessarily, it's, because the yes, thing right now is that I don't, I just don't buy things. That's all. I mean, the only things I buy are food it and alcohol. It doesn't change for you. It changes for them. They look at you and they are now. Like, okay, so for I don't example, think I'd live my life very much differently, though, except I might buy a pair of jeans that I buy for myself instead of getting a pair of hand-me-downs from yeah, a friend. Yeah, right, right. Or, like, shoes. These my, my these were my mom's shoes. No, come I'm on. still wearing you, them, seriously. You would probably do, like, the Socks functional equivalent of what I do, have done, which is I have a cute two-bedroom apartment. You know what I mean? Like, I'm oh, not... I, keep, I love my apartment. I keep it. It's tiny, though. It's, like, 400 square feet. It's tiny. Right. But I pretend it's a boat, and then I'm sailing above Geary. Because if but it was if a boat, afford, it would be but, big. But you would like, I, I guess that's what I mean. Like, but you would be comfortable. You would yeah. Have... If I made, if I made more money, then I mean, I think the only thing that would change is that I'd go out to nicer dinners more often, and right. I'd, I'd get back into, I'd right. get back into wine. I'd get, I'd get some wine clubs going, that like I used to. I love my wine clubs. I love wine. Right. But it's just that's cost prohibitive. Right. But the, but my point is, if you're, it's, it, I feel like for me anyway, maybe I shouldn't just generalize this to everyone. It became sort of difficult to be around people who were struggling. I feel bad. Like, I feel like on the one hand. I don't hang out with the Sylvans for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't go to their scary house and wallow in their, in their, in their fliver because. Right. Because then they'd be like, I always had to bring a 12 or a PBR and I'd get one out of it. You know what I mean? Well, no, it's, well. Like, I feel They're like I don't fit in comedians. anywhere anymore. Like, I don't well, we're old. relate to... We're old. It's hard to be old lady comedians with all... It's a young... It's a young man's game. It's a young idiot's game. And we we're two... We're two older... We're older ladies. I know. And they don't always get it. They don't get it. They don't understand what we're doing. They don't get it. Yeah. 
They don't. They don't get but it. But it's so much fun. Fuck them if they don't get it. No, I don't give a shit. I don't need to. Who gets it? I'm the one. Yeah, you should get on that. My you should get on the Keith, only one that matters. You should get on Keith D's show at Kiowaka Kakakakas. It's down at the end of Ocean I'm Beach. I'm so not ready. It's, it, no, it's good. You get a free half a sandwich. It's a really good one. It's a good sandwich. The lamb sandwich is to die Dude, for. I'm way better. Two beers, no dinner. <laughs> Two beers, no dinner. Half a, half a lamb sandwich. Okay, this is um, this is the Young Turks. You'll like this because they're more they're more skewed to our side. But it's Trump flips out over bankruptcy because okay. the whole bankruptcy thing is happening, and I'm well, interested. I, you know. But he he's he's like doesn't want to admit it, or this is he's gonna flip. There was a million thing. clips about how you know everybody talking about the Trump debates. I'm gonna skip all that, but I, I do want to give you Trump talking about how Mitt Romney turned him down. That's uh, clip number ten. What do you make of uh, Mitt saying no? Well, I was a little bit surprised because, as you know, he's come up to see me and we've had lots of conversations and he wants my endorsement. But I can also understand it. He's under a lot of pressure and I can understand it. But I was a little bit surprised. I really thought he would have said, you know, let's go. And unfortunately, I guess for him and his group, he's doing not so well in the polls. He's such a dick, man. Yeah, he, he is. That's why himself. people like it. He's doing pretty bad in the polls. I would have thought he would have accepted. And he really, really wants my... Who can stand this guy? Who watches this guy for longer than three seconds and thinks, I really like this guy? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, J.R. Jesus. I mean, like, you watch a show, and he's kind of the heel, right? So you're supposed to kind of root against him. Is there anybody who thinks, like, I really like Trump? Are there, like, Trump fans in the world? Somehow there is. It's amazing. I, I've, I've asked myself that question. And people watch that show and they think, well, yeah, he's an asshole. But first off, he's a rich asshole, so maybe I can be a rich asshole too. People don't care about personality as long as they can get some money. And then you worship the people who do have it and don't care about all the lies they tell the people that they step on and doing whatever they're trying to do. It's just like you want to be that. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I hear you on that because there is there's definitely the rich worship going on with Trump. Like, oh, he is rich. Oh, Trump, tell me what to do. That's why they buy his books, right? I mean, they buy all those books. He's like, how I made a gazillion dollars. I'm the first person to ever make a gazillion dollars. And then after that, I made a Brazilian dollars. That guy is so full of crap. In fact, Neil Cavuto asked him about his bankruptcies. And this is a fun clip. Donald, you have said in the past, and a line, I hope I'm getting it right, where you never forget a slight, and when you were in your darkest days, when it looked like you were going to lose everything and coming out of bankruptcy, that you, you never forgot the people... I never went bankrupt. Well, uh, on the brink. Let's Neil, I never... Right. Neil, I never went bankrupt. Okay, but you, were on, you were on the I brink. You were on the I brink. don't understand All right, it. you were on the brink. Oh, well, I you're was back. close, you're back. I never right. went bankrupt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But but. But I never went bankrupt. Okay. Well, I've opened up a wound here. All right. Now, in all seriousness, so we that, have to that, change. No, no. I, it's just it's just so incorrectly reported. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I never went back. I never went back. I never went back. In fact, when Kabuto asked him the question, he was he got that little like, "Would you say? Would you say?" Right. So now here's the reality. Uh, Donald Trump has gone bankrupt four times. <laughs> now he says, "No, no, no, no. That's not bankrupt." It was my companies that went bankrupt. I personally never went bankrupt because I wound up taking money out of there anyway. And besides which, for rich people, it's not bankruptcy. It's debt restructuring. Okay, when you lose all your money, ah, oh, you poor bankrupt son of a bitch. Okay, when Trump loses all the money, he's just restructuring his debt. Hey, Suze. What, um, how long do you think it's going to take for Kabuto to issue an apology? 
for bringing it up. <laughs> I'm giving it like six hours or 12 hours. Yeah. You know what? I bet he does it. Kubuto likes to needle a little bit. You know, I, you know me. I can't stand Kubuto. I, I probably dislike Kubuto more than I like dislike Trump, right? Right. But I don't, I don't see him as the guy who's going to back down on that because he's so right. And in fact, he, he's not even right. He soft-pedaled it. He said, you were on the brink. You were on the brink. He wasn't on the brink. He went way over the brink. The way that Trump has made most of his money is doing two things. One, in all these restructuring, he owes the banks so much money that he says, look, you got to pay me off in order to restructure the debt. Now, you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense, right? But it's, there's this old proverb, if you owe the bank a little bit of money, you're in a world of trouble. If you owe the bank a lot of money, the bank's in a world of trouble, okay? Because that, then he says, oh, well, I could walk out on this $10 billion or whatever it might be, right? Okay, do you want anything from me? Okay, then you better do what I say. And then he winds up siphoning some money off of that. Another trick that Donald Trump does is, oh, yeah, that company went bankrupt. But now I've got a new company that I'm doing, uh, that I'm taking public. And people go, oh, the name Donald Trump? Oh, I'm going to buy stock in that. That guy is rich. He's going to make me rich. They all buy stock, and then Trump pays himself a ton of money from that company as an executive there. And then when the company goes under, he goes, oh, suckers, that's your problem, not my problem. Right? And the third way that he makes money is just he simply sells his name. A lot of the buildings that, is, that have his name on it aren't built by him at all. He's a loser. Who would have that guy build a building? That guy's gone bankrupt in essence four times. So what they do is they just buy his name, they build a building, they actually build a business model that works, and they stick his name on it. Because people, as JR pointed out earlier, are like, oh, Trump, he's rich, Trump, oh my God, let's go in that building. <laughs> that's, that's wow. See, this is one of the reasons I don't listen to this stuff is because now I feel like I need to defend Trump and I don't want to be in that position. I do not Why do you feel do like you have to defend Trump? Because I, as an attorney, have learned a lot more from my fail, my the trials that I did not win. Uh -huh. I learned way more from those than I did from the cases that I did win. And so I, I think that it's just not a... You, I, th I can see how there would be an argument on either side of the issue. The real problem to me is that he lies about it. That's the real problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't trust He's him. He's a liar. And He's he, a liar. And if he sh we cannot elect somebody who's that. Who's a, who's a super liar. Well, we, we, I think we generally try to elect non-liars. I hope liars. so. That's I mean, why Bernie is such a great candidate. Right. Because he's an honest dude. Right. Yeah, and it, it all comes down to Donald Trump's hair, which is this. This is. I looked up epic fail Donald Trump because I thought that would be fun to watch him epically fail at a bunch of things. Um, and this is this is a longer video. I'm hoping that it it has actual sound on it and it isn't just like one of those montages. We'll ch we're gonna check it out in just a in just a second because I want to see him epic fail. I, and and the picture is what drew me in because his toupee is sort of like flapping in the breeze. And I just I I want I want him to just rip that. Have you ever dated an old man that has a toupee? No. My friend, my good friend, my friend, the good doctor, Katie, dated a, a guy who had a toupee, and she said the smell of his hair glue was so weird. And she accidentally saw it once with his head without it off, and she thought that he probably would have been better without it. Right. But he was so not confident. He was so he was so insecure that you know he drove. 15 fast cars and he dated a woman 20 years younger than him and he made millions of dollars and he would take her out to these really great restaurants but she she finally had to break up with him because she's like 
it's fine being like, you know, the, the hot trophy on his arm and he has so much money and he spends, but she's like, it's the toupee. I can't get over it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it either. So. I can really only do age appropriate. I, I can't yeah, do age appropriate. Well, I go, I like, I like, I like younger guys. I like younger guys. Hey guys, what's going on? When they have to be able to, wait, they have to be able to buy you a beer. Hi, hello. Yeah. That's that's the main thing about dating younger guys. They have to be over 21. Even when I was, even when I was at the low end, even when I was dating 21 year olds, and I was in graduate school, they had to be 21. They had to be able to buy me a beer. That was that was my rule. But I don't have a problem going younger because I've always like liked younger guys because it seems like they respect me more or something. They think I'm smarter. Definitely. And older guys are like they're just don't. I just can't do it. The two. Yeah, well, and younger guys going for older women aren't really looking to have kids, so that's kind of also a bonus. Yeah. So if I was if I was dating age appropriately, there would probably be a lot of stress and pressure about me being forty one and not having kids yet. Like if I had been, like I've been dating Jonathan for um, coming up on three years here in June, and um, we, I mean. I we're passing right through my ch- the last of my childbearing years together. You know, I'm like 41 so now, together, but we don't want, he doesn't want kids. I don't want kids. It's great. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want kids. Either. I haven't. It's too late for me. I'm 41. I yeah. don't want to have no. a retarded baby. I, I just don't want to. Well, it's not even about that. It's just for me. It's about that. I, I cannot have a sp- special ed kid. Change. Well, and I 80 hours devoted to kids instead of comedy. Exactly. Not, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, babies are they're great when you get paid for them, but if you're not being paid right. to hang out with them, it's a, what a time sink. Right. Unless Ugh. you're high. Unless you're unless you're high all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you're high all the time, it's great to hang out with kids. I, seriously, I think that's one of the things that like mothers with toddlers should do is be high more often. Absolutely. Like, it's so much easier it's to relate. So much easier to read a stupid children's book if you're high. Oh, so You much can more really fun. see the nuance in a oh. Thomas the Train book. Oh, you know my what I'm God. saying? Like yeah, Percy, that weird little red train. Uh, okay, so this is a year and Trump fails. This should be fun. Love him or hate him, there is no escaping Donald Trump. And whether we want to admit it or not, this is pop culture, by the way, which is funny. In a way, no one else quite has. Ever since he stepped behind the podium to announce his 2016 presidential bid in June, the verbal diarrhea spewed from his mouth into a mountain of ignorance and bigotry. Here are Donald Trump's biggest failures in 2015. All right. June 16, 2015, Trump announces his bid to run for president 2016. Most of us still thought of Donald Trump as a real estate mogul turned reality star, but he had his eyes set on a much bigger prize. On June 16, 2015, Trump formally announced his bid for the 2016 presidential race, but that wasn't what shocked the world. It was his disparaging remarks about Mexican immigrants that he delivered in the same speech that sent the rest of his campaign downhill. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. The backlash was fast and furious and sad. <laughs> this is the first time I've actually heard that. I mean, I heard about him being... Oh, you hadn't heard that before? I, I've heard about him calling people racists, but I've never actually heard it, you know, from the rapists. lion's mouth. <laughs> the rapists? Uh, I mean, it's... What? He's just making shit up. He's like, it's like, a, it's like he's on a podcast well, okay, everybody's let's listening start with to. The first fundamental problem with that is really that they're sending what 
Mexico isn't Mexico sending, isn't sending anyone anybody yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Like, how do you not even get that? Like, let's let's talk before we get to the other things that are wrong with it. Like, how does what is he thinking? Yeah. Oh, wait, this is. Uh, I I just I, I don't feel like we need to talk to this. Uh, we need to see this lady. She's kind of lame. Uh, but here, they're not sending their best. July 12, 2015. Trump threatens to kick El Chapo's ass. When Mexican kingpin Joaquin El Chapo Guzman escaped a Mexican maximum security prison on July 11, 2015, the world was not only impressed by his ability to escape not once, but twice from maximum security prison, but also fearful that a man with the history of such extreme violence was once again free in the world. Not Donald Trump, though. The following day, Trump decided to puff out his chest on Twitter in an attempt to devalue his opponents, writing, Can you envision Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton negotiating with El Chapo, the Mexican drug lord who escaped from prison? Trump, however, would kick his ass. A Twitter user who appeared to be El Chapo's own son decided to call out Trump's bluff with the following tweet. Keep around and I'm going to make you swallow your words, you whitey. Trump quickly tucked his tail between his legs and reached out to the FBI for help with beefing uh-huh. up his own security, fearing the wrath of El Chavo. August 25th, 2015, Trump has Univision anchor ejected from press conference. Trump's apparent disdain for Mexican people reached new heights when he heckled reporter Jorge Ramos during a press conference and had him forcibly ejected when Ramos pressed to ask a question. Trump has a question about immigration. Uh, okay, who's uh, next? Yeah, please. Excuse me, sit down. You weren't called. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Go ahead. No, you don't. You haven't been called. Go back to Univision. Go ahead. You cannot deport 11 million. Go ahead. You cannot deport 11 million people. You cannot deport a 1900 wall. You cannot deny citizenship. Sit down, please. You weren't called. Trump did ultimately invite Ramos back into the press conference, no doubt after an advisor explained it was a smart move, and answered the question regarding Trump's proposal to deport 11 million undocumented immigrants, saying, they're going to be out so fast your head is going to spin. November 7th, 2015, Trump hosts SNL and kills Hotline Blake. Not in a good way. When Saturday Night Live invited Trump to host on November 7, 2015, the public was both angry and intrigued. While it proved to be ratings gold, the Donald's SNL episode was universally panned. His recreation of Drake's Hotline Bling video was the low point of an altogether terrible evening. You used to call me on the cell phone. Call me on the cell phone. There was one highlight, however, and it wasn't from Trump. Comedian Larry David, there to reprise his role as Senator Bernie Sanders, called Trump a racist on live television. For speaking truth to power, David was awarded a $5,000 reward from protesters who offered up the bounty to anyone with the guts to disrupt Trump's episode. You're a racist! Who the hell is I? I knew this was going to happen. Who is that? Trump's a racist! November 22nd, 2015. Black Lives Matter protester beat oh, up Oh, I heard rally. this is terrible. During a Trump rally in Birmingham, Alabama on November 22nd, 2015, a Black Lives Matter protester began heckling Trump while he spoke on stage, much to the dismay of Trump supporters in the audience. The protester reportedly yelled, Black Lives Matter, to which someone in the audience yelled back, All Lives Matter. Moments later, he was kicked, 
punched and shoved to the ground while Trump could be heard yelling, get him the hell out of here. The people are cheering. Oh, that's just terrible. When asked about the incident the following day, he remarked, maybe he should have been roughed up because it was absolutely disgusting what he was doing. December 8th, 2015. Trump announces plan to ban all Muslims entering U.S. It was a year full of fails for the mogul, but this became the breaking point for a lot of people who up until now saw Trump as a harmless caricature, a mockery, a kind of entertainment. Days after the horrific mass shooting in San Bernardino, California, Trump announced a proposal for, quote, a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. During an exchange with Yahoo national correspondent Hunter Walker, Trump was asked if he was insinuating that Muslims should be required to register themselves in a database. He replied, well, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to look at a lot of things very closely. We're going to have to look at mosques. We're gonna have to look very, very carefully. Trump's proposal began to draw comparisons to another man in history who had a similar ideology, Adolf Hitler. Singling out an entire religion for the actions of a few is a gross notion and worthy of the comparison. Trump's comments were so preposterous that the press secretary for the White House, Josh Ernest, felt the need to step in. The fact is, what Donald Trump said yesterday disqualifies him from serving as president. Unfortunately for all of us, it's not an official disqualification, but a shared sentiment among the majority of American citizens. Or is it? According to the New York Times, Trump's position in the polls is currently at its highest ever, <laughs> commanding the support of 35% of Republican primary voters, leading his closest competitors, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas with 16%, and Ben Carson with 13%, by a more than two to one margin. Over 40% of voters polled, however, were quote, fearful at the thought of Donald Trump being elected president in 2016. That's it for now, but for all of your updates, be sure to subscribe. Yeah. I don't know, it seems like it's the Republicans' new way to fear monger. Like, uh, pretend like we might elect a racist. Right. Where there's no way this country is going to follow up an Obama presidency by electing a racist. I, Come on, I, 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 I would hope not. No. I would hope not. not I possible. mean, but I have no faith left in in the in the people in the decision making of the people. I know, but that's I have part no of the faith. problem. That's part of the problem because the people is the solution. That's where the solution is going to come from, and it's I not ever going to come from a president. I can't believe he has all this negative talk about Mexico. I fucking love Mexico. I would live in Mexico. Ugh, he's such a I love Mexico so much. I love the people. They're so hardworking too, and all of that stuff is crazy. I was in, I was all on vacation it. one year in Manzanillo, and we went to this cute little town that was like 30 miles up the road, and we had to drive to it. And it was really beautiful. I think it was, anyways, it was really great. And we went there twice. The first time we went, uh, they were working on this road, and we had so much fun. We came back, and the guys are still working on the road. And we decided, you know, five days later, let's go back to that same place. Let's drive out there again because we had such a great day out there, and there were so many just great little things, and it was just really lovely. And so we drive back out there. The road was completely finished in like five days in the hot Mexican sun. And I felt like, you know, I'm sitting there like, and my dad taught me the same thing. Well, Mexicans are all lazy. And it's like, well, how are you saying that with them? Who is, 
You, do you like strawberries? No, no, Who's that's picking just, the strawberries? No, that's just the, the that's the one of the claims that is always made in a, an oppressive system, an oppressive um, dynamic is that the the people being oppressed are referred to as lazy. That's all. That's always consistent. I, I I don't understand why that's the. But also, my experience has been that day laborers are just some of the hardest working people. I love Absolutely. hiring day laborers for my move. I, they're so trustworthy and reliant. I have I I just I think it's it's tragic that we have so many working poor in this country. That's oh yeah. I mean, and it's ridiculous because it doesn't need to be that way. Well, we're creating more of a working poor now again. Now we're now now with this new servant economy that we've created with TaskRabbit and Uber and Lyft, right, exactly. and I mean the new TaskRabbit. Um, what are they called? The new TaskRabbit ads that I see on all the bus stops are insane. It's like um, one of them is um, there's a guy. The only reason I notice it is because he has a body kind of like Jonathan. It's pretty hot, and it's his back, and he's climbing up a wall, and he's got a stupid gecko tattooed on his shoulder, and he's in that gecko shape crawling up a wall, and it says, hanging shelves. Oh, task rabbit, doing the things, doing your chores so you don't have to. And there's one of them where there's a lady with a baby in the air, and it says, like doing laundry or something like that. It's just, it's silly. It's like in in their new slogan is, you know, helping you, you know, so you can live your life or whatever. And uh, I don't, I just don't like this new servant economy that we're dealing up in San Francisco saying, hey, rich white people that don't have time to take care of their kids or hang their shelves or do their laundry. Now there's a, now there's a poor white person that'll do it for you. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think the first task is to handle the, do something about the working poor. I mean, I feel like everyone can get on board with that. Let's start with a unifying concept. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the working people who are actually working, you know, two jobs to, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm concerned about the way in which the media coverage undermines our confidence and our trust in each other. Like Absolutely. You said earlier, which is that, you know, I think we have to embrace each other and embrace doing the things that make a difference more so than embracing right. media bullshit. Right. Media bullshit. Well, and but that's the thing is we're a commercial based culture and that's how we learn how to right. what things are cool and what things yeah. how to be how to of be course. a person of in course. America, how to I mean, be a person. You know what's cool about about um, history is it's, it's amazing the way people love information. We love it's like we're babies. It's like we're you know how a little baby will look at it, itself in the mirror and just kind of trip out. Like right. we do that with it. We just love each other so much. We like right. to watch movies and stories about each other and just we just it's cool. But it's also easy to get distracted from how to do that. Like, especially if we're not taught how to help, you know, have healthy relationships. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, geez, healthy relationships. Who has a healthy relationship? I mean, even when you, I grew up exceptionally rich and, um, you know, oh, poor little rich girl. Oh, a little tear born on third base. And yeah, I mean, it's my, you know, oh, oh, poor me. And. I wasn't accepted in high school because I was rich, but not as rich as they were. You know, it's yeah. like, it, uh, right. you know, everyone made fun of me because my zippered jeans were palmettos and not guess. Oh, tear. Oh, everyone made fun of me because I got a car when I was 16, but it was a brand new Hyundai and not a BMW. Oh, tear. I mean, I seriously, these were like the biggest saddest things you know in my life when I was in high school was like nobody likes me because I have a Hyundai hey you know what this is one of the reasons we get along so well I also went to rich kids school and it was 
was like, you know, I just wasn't rich enough. But that's But I was why, richer than everyone else. That was the, I was richer but that, than. But I appreciate the experience because it was a sort of weird kind of a, um, like it was sort of it was like wearing a t-shirt inside out because on the one hand so you're so it was it, it's, it was interesting to me to be exposed to that kind of wealth and that kind of the mentality that wealthy people maintain and, right. and how wealth works and uh, but at the same time within that system or within that culture be the poor person right. and so i understand what it's like to be the poor person because my parents were poor even though they were struggling to send me to a rich kid's school right and so the weird thing for me in my life is that my parents are now rich but i did not grow up that way sure i we were always like super poor because my parents were putting all the money into the tuition right and so what? I know intuition is access to this special thing, you know, and it, and then, but I think that, I think that it's, that's even a scam. I think that higher education is even a scam where we're led to believe that, well, if you go to college and you do this, everything's going to work out. It's going to be fine. You're going to make plenty of money. Don't worry. It, no, it's not that it's a scam. It's that, no, 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 I no, kind no, of feel like wait, it's wait, a scam. No, 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 no. It's not, it's that back in the day, only rich people were educated in higher education. And right. so you, that was the way the, it, it was structured, right? So you had people who had had parents that had supported their education up until that point. So we were very well prepared for college and also had power. So they, the, the money dynamic was my rich parents are paying you school right. who is accountable to my rich parents. Right, 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 right. And so now what we have is student loans paying the money we don't have schools accountable to rich parents like they were before right we it's just a completely different system now that everyone can be educated and it's not something see that but only and, and that's the thing is that everyone can that's why i think that education is a scam now is that everybody can be educated because all the information is online so if you can get the syllabus from a professor and you can read those same books that you take out at the public library and you can still do that critical thought you know you can read their syllabus see what you want to glean from it you know sort of what's the difference that you're paying you know three thousand dollars a semester so they can tell you what books to read i guess or that there's so there's this special insight but it's that you're jumping through these specific hoops and those hoops are supposed to mean well, something in the future just, but i think the, the knowledge capable, is enough well but it's enough. just it's not it's not enough because the the students aren't coming as well prepared and so there has to be that that you know with the one no child left behind that preparation is getting lost right and so it's a scam just because i mean it's not really a, i don't i disagree that it's a scam it's just that it's no longer functioning and it doesn't have the value it once had right but it's systemic it's not so much purposeful right it's yeah it's it's not the well maybe we'll have a I mean I could never have a comedy college here because I could never make people pay for it when you could just go to an open mic but there's there's got to be an education opportunity here no you could do comedy college well I mean I know I could I I, I'm I mean if if I wanted to teach I would just the thing is that I would teach completely different things that they stress like I would start with Here's how you hold a microphone. This is the angle. Let's talk about magnets. You know how a microphone works? All the more reason you could do right. it because you're you're offering something that they can't get from the other right. comedy colleges. I would love that. Well, personally. and I I mean I I used to own a theater company. I've oh, done I did totally theater for 12 years. I was a stage manager. Definitely. And, 
I've done so much theater. Dude, the but like the things like your toes, it's the thing I teach the kids yeah. in theater. Your toes have to point to the audience. Right. So you have to look where you are on the space, see where your audience is, and make sure that your toes. So yeah. never put your back to your audience. Dude, you stuff like, do this. Yeah, I don't want to sign like up. I already want to sign up. Which hand do you raise when you're doing right. an act out? Which you always use your upstage hand and have your downstage hand be your microphone hand because there's a lot of things to think Dude, about just okay. performance fully, quality wise. Well, not just performance, but also character. Like you have to find and develop a very specific, almost one note character that you're going to have to find. And the, one of the things that's different about, for example, Sandy Shore's comedy classes at the Comedy Store in Hollywood is she works with her students on that character development. Here's your character, right. not so much joke writing. There's other classes you can take for joke writing, joke structure. Right. Her class is all about who are you? What persona? What's your voice on stage? Finding yes. your voice. Yes. So I can see how you could do something like that with not just the mechanics of performing, but what's that character? Let's let's right. find that character. Uh, well, that's the thing. Steve, Steve Poggi taught me, and I said it the other day, yesterday on two days ago on Joke Workshop, is that the material is the gateway to let the audience know who you really are, to showcase your personality. The material showcases your personality. What they really want to see is who you are. Definitely. And they love it during the riffs, and they like you to be unique and different. Yeah. Because anybody, well, not anybody can write jokes, but... Almost anybody. Almost anybody. It becomes, it's like just the basic. Well, it's easy to make people laugh. My autistic friend, she went up for the first time at Brainwash with me on stage, and she said, uh, she took the microphone away from me and said, uh, my nanny Pammy goes in the bathroom and poops and farts. Big laugh. Big laugh from the crowd from a six-year-old autistic girl. My nanny Pammy goes Simple in the, truth. Simple truth. She poops and farts. And Writing simple laughing. truth jokes. Absolutely. That's Love I'm all it. about the poo. Uh, we're all about the shit. Well, that about wraps it up. This was great, Trina. I think that we got Thank away. You, you were part of the politics here. Sort of, uh, yeah, but you were so great keeping up with us on task, even though I, I was trying, trying to, to change the subject every time we watched I it. just, uh, I mean, maybe next, well, no, I don't, next, everyone should know why they should vote for Bernie, but don't pay attention to the, don't buy into this crazy media mailstorm. Yeah. Turn just the TV off and go do something read a book. meaningful. Go read a book. Yeah, the, the least thing you can do is read a book. Um, listen, you can download or maybe, your show. Or maybe research libertarianism before you endorse it. Right? Research libertarianism. Let's try that. Well, I mean, the one thing I like is, you know, I like to do my, I say legalize that marijuana 2016, sure. everybody. Please. Please. It only will only help mothers not drown their you know babies what in a bathtub. Me is that we didn't legalize pot back when we were furloughing? Furloughing, like we could have just taken so much tax money from pot. Absolutely. Like why didn't we just? Well, the, it was it pot. It's pot because money. it's because uh, of Dupont in the uh, late 30s, yeah. they started making synthetic rope made out of petrochemicals and hemp okay, rope. Right. They just made a hemp breaker, mm-hmm. which was this great machine that had just been patented and and it broke down the hemp structure strands so that it was because it used to be really difficult to make the hemp into rope it was really uh, labor intensive and someone patented a hemp breaker and then right after that uh, William Randolph Hearst ran all his smear campaigns against marijuana because he owned cotton farms and so he didn't want a renewable resource to continue uh, when they could be making money off petrochemicals right. and cotton, which are both like high yield, high money, yeah. bad I was for the environment. That, yeah, the, the same concept, big pharma yeah. in the 21st century having a big problem with the fact that pot. That's exactly what's going to happen. A lot of the problems well, of big pharma and is now they already, killing. 
they made um, Marinol as a synthetic marijuana that was in a little orange pill that they made. I got to take a bunch of them around uh, 2006 when my ex-husband's father died because he willed me all of his drugs. And that Marinol was great, but real weed is better. It was so strong and so different and not natural because it was a synthetically based THC. It was weird. It was great just because I love all weed, but... Pharmaceuticals want to get their fingers in that. They don't want something that we can grow in our backyards. They don't want, like, the farming economy. They, it's like Monsanto. They're just, they're the big, it's awful. Uh, hey, everybody. That was the AltaCast brought to you by Alta California Botanicals. Best tink in the biz. Please support medical marijuana. Go to your local dispensary. Ask for it by name, Alta California Botanicals. Uh, six healing structures formulas to uh, everything to make you sleep to make you high to make you feel better to kill that cancer all of it all of the above i'd like to thank trina roderick again for being my co-host thank you i wish that my dad would have called in but that's cool um we'll see you guys next week i'll probably uh, be joined actually i will not be here next week and hopefully uh old dumb face and uh latoya come in and, and do a little guest thing because i'm going to be in napa with my boyfriend uh, having a good time with the two-person bathtub in the room. You could take the TV and aim it toward the thing. We're going to play a lot of Scrabble. Play a lot of Scrabble. And uh, a lot of sex. Big king bed with the fluffy stuff. We're going to go kayaking if it's the oh, weather is nice in the Napa nice. River. Yeah, and I have the food stamps, so we usually go to, like, the Safeway or the Whole Foods and get a bunch of cool sundries and eat it in the room. And we'll go out one night to this place called Carpe Diem. Really delicious. They have a... They have a mac and cheese, a duck confit mac and cheese. Yum. I love duck confit. I love mac and cheese. Yeah. I love duck confit. Love mac and cheese. Yeah. Though they're all, it's all, it's a great place, Carpe Diem. They go visit them in Napa next time I get time, you guys are there. I'm going to try to <laughs> get a free meal out of them and be like, hey, I've been talking about you right. on the radio show. Did you see me at the Warriors game? Did you see me at the Warriors game? <laughs> right on. Uh, okay. Well, that's, um, that's been the AltaCast. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. They should go to TryAlta.com to see the six different kinds of cannabinoids that are all distilled for their medicinal needs. Yes, and they're so wonderful. Have you heard about the CBN? Did you even know this existed? Is that like waffles? No, CBN is the cannabinoid in the plant that makes you fall asleep. Oh my God. Weed to make you sleep. Like, yeah. does that put cancer to sleep? It puts cancer to sleep. It doesn't even get you high. It just puts you to sleep. There's also the THCA. Pain relief. Don't need any more opioids. Does that come from the vegetation state? It, it certainly does. You clearly know your botanicals. You know your Alta California botanicals. Yes, and there's also a CB, high CBD and a mixture of both high THC and CBD. That's right. Helps with the shaky shakies. If you have anxiety, go with the CBD. If you like to get high, go with the THC. Go with it all. Go to your local dispensary and ask for it by name. Alta California botanicals. Or go to tryalta.com. If you give them your medical prescription, you can get two weeks for free Alta. absolutely try alta.com hey you psychedelic junkies need something to do Tuesday March 1st well 
Get your ass on out to the Golden Bull in Oakland at 8 p.m. for a stellar lineup of psychedelic rock brought to you by Subliminal SF. Featuring War Cloud, Cloud Catcher of Denver, and Skunk. Then, Thursday, March 31st, check out Seattle band UN, Hissing, and Cardinal Worm. Also, another band to be announced. Same place, same time. $8. Funeral Doom is the genre. For complete listings and more information, visit subliminalsf.com or check them out on Facebook. See you there. What's up, San Francisco? The SF Eagle Bar is proud to sponsor the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. The SF Eagle is about to celebrate its third year anniversary since reopening under new ownership and new management. We are historically a gay leather bar, and now we cater to the queer LGBT community. As well as our allies by hosting fundraisers for local nonprofits and events to celebrate love and equality. I ain't got no dick, but I love the Eagle. Yeah, you do. Located at 398 12th Street at Harrison Street and open every single goddamn day. So check www.sf-eagle.com for calendar of events. And we will see you 3-3-16, by the way, opening day of our special midnight comedy showcase for the mutiny comedy festival i see you guys there hell yeah industrial metals taking over Golden Bull in Oakland, April 5th, with the Death Kings of LA, Genocide Skin, Ort Cloud, and other bands to be announced. 8 p.m., $8, all industrial metal. They come again on April 15th to see some noise rock. The other band on Earth will be there. Jerkagram of LA will be there. And Love Moon. Same place, different time. 9 p.m., seven bucks. Brought to you by Subliminal SF. For complete listings and more information, visit subliminalsf.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Subliminal SF. Pax Blue. Pax 
Pops Blue Ribbon is a proud sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. We appreciate how comedians are, well, they're poor, and they need a delicious and inexpensive alternative to craft beer. Now, that's why every Pops Blue Ribbon is affordable and accessible to even the dirtiest of dickbag comedians, allowing them to be in public at a bar interacting with people they probably shouldn't, like women. So go buy your favorite comedian a PBR. They need the encouragement that someone, somewhere, cares what they have to say. Paps Blue Ribbon, keeping comedians funny with classically delicious flavor since 1844. Which is crazy, because it was America's best in Face off. 